those of you that attend our church on a regular basis, you know we preach verse by verse through the Bible on Sunday mornings. And we, we are preaching through the book of Matthew right now. And we are in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. It's an, it is an exciting chapter. In fact, it starts out with God's blessing. How many know God just starts out blessing us big time? Amen? In fact, he'll save you and bless you and just bless you and bless you and bless you, and then he'll make you grow up. How about that? Amen. That's the way our Lord works. But anyway, we are going to be preaching from the Beatitudes, and we'll be, there's eight of them in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read down to verse 12. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word just in respect and honor to the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible with you, it is on the screen. We always have God's Word lit up around here. Or in other words, God, maybe God's Word lights us up. But anyway, either way, we have the Word of God you can follow on the screen. Jesus Christ has taken His place, position. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the longest recorded sermon that Jesus ever preached, chapter 5, 6, and 7. There's a reason it's called Sermon on the Mount, because it was preached on the Mount. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's not a great big mountain, but yet it's on the northwest slope of the Sea of Galilee, not far from Capernaum. Let's begin reading with verse 1. And seeing the multitude... Jesus went up into a mountain, and when he, had, when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He's speaking to his disciples in this message on the mount. You may be seated. I want to use for a subject the eight Beatitudes. Eight Beatitudes. Now, have you ever met someone with an attitude? The, the, the phrase Beatitude means simply that God wants us to be blessed when we have certain attitudes as a child of God. Let me say quickly, I have an attitude when I'm shaving. I have an attitude when I'm eating. In fact, I eat in about five or six different languages. <laughs> I have an attitude when I'm driving. 
I have an attitude when I'm getting dressed to get ready to go to church. I have an attitude in many different areas of my life. I really get an attitude when someone's behind me honking, trying to get me out of the way. I was going up 65, I was speeding, 75 mile an hour, 65. I was speeding, I said I was speeding, and a car came up behind me and kind of got wedged in with a truck and started honking at me. And I'm thinking, my goodness, you could be going down the road 120 and some, some fool would pass you. Amen? How I many know what I'm talking about? But anyway, these are good attitudes. And by the way, when I shave, I have a good attitude. I'm going to get that cuckaburr off me one way or another. Now, it's interesting, the uh, Sermon on the Mount, it, the, it's not really a mountain, but, you know, it's a hill, and, and basically Jesus sat down with his disciples, and he preached chapter 5, 6, and 7 to his disciples. There was a massive crowd below, and Jesus shared the scriptures. There are eight Beatitudes that Jesus Christ gives. He starts us out with blessings. And um, I want to begin by simply saying this. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, is not how you become a Christian, but it's what you become after you become a Christian. The Beatitudes is not a plan for salvation. It is a revelation of what the subjects of the kingdom of heaven live in. It is the children of God, the attributes and the blessings that God instills in their hearts as they become a child of God. It starts out with the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. And basically, he's saying right from the start that a person must see their need for God. I mean, we live in a nation that needs to see their need for God. This world needs to see their need for Jesus Christ. I'll come back to that in just a little bit. But in, in, the, in Israel, there is a church that the Catholics built on this same spot where they believe Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. The Catholics built a church and they called it the Church of the Beatitudes. This church is octagon, having eight sides representing the eight Beatitudes that Jesus gave us here in chapter 5. I'm told by those that's been there to see that church that it is operated and ran by Catholic nuns. And those Catholic nuns keep a tight ship. In fact, if you do something that's out of the rules, they'll be on you like a, like a chicken on a June bug immediately. They will set things in order. It's amazing that you can actually read the message of Jesus, the longest recorded message of Jesus in the Bible. You can read it in about 12 minutes. If you're a slow reader, 15 minutes. Don't get your hopes up. The message will last longer than that, I'm sure. But Jesus packed so much good stuff in. That is an amazing story about 
Jesus Christ giving us the attributes and the things that we become after we become a child of God. This is the golden rule. This is the royal order of King Jesus over his invisible kingdom on the earth. We don't act like the world. We don't think like the world. We don't do things like the world as Christians. We are different because Jesus Christ made us different. Hallelujah. And you're going to have to be different from the world to ever make heaven your home because you must receive the forgiveness of the Lord. I'm going to divide these eight Beatitudes up in three sections. The first section, we see the first three Beatitudes. These first three Beatitudes reveal our need. Our need. Blessed are the poor, verse 3. Blessed are they that mourn, verse 4. Blessed are the meek, verse 5. The next four Beatitudes, which actually makes seven, reveal our fruit as a child of God. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, verse 6. Blessed are the merciful, verse 7. Blessed are the peacemakers, verse 9. And the last eighth beatitude is actually has two blessings, blessed are, blessed are twice, but it's one beatitude, the eighth beatitude, reveals our tribulation and our joy in verse 10 through 12. I wanted to give you a simple outline to show you today that the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount, is an incredible um, lesson and instruction for what we are to become. We can become none of these without God's touch on our life. We cannot achieve any of these without a revelation of Christ and a moving of God's Spirit in our life. The Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapter 5. Leave it to Luke, the writer. Luke comes up with the Sermon on the Plain. Leave it to Luke. A sermon on the plain. That sermon, and some of you probably never heard of a sermon on the plain, but Luke talks about it. In chapter 6, verse 17 through 28, the sermon on the plain, actually Luke shares four beatitudes and four woes or judgments if you don't comply. You say, well, how can there be a sermon on the mount in Matthew 5 and a sermon in the plain in Luke chapter 6? This is how. When Jesus gathered in Matthew chapter 5, he gathered his disciples around him. And he shared the Sermon on the Mount. He went up on the mount, they gathered around him, and he shared. After he shared, he came down in the plain, according to Luke chapter 6, and he shared the sermon in the plain, sharing four beatitudes and four woes if you don't hearken to the words of God. Pretty cool, isn't it? He, he shares... Eight wonderful blessings with his disciples. And then he comes down into the plain and shares three, uh, four blessings with the, uh, those that were just everybody that were gathered there because of the blind wanting to see, the lame wanting to leap for joy, people needing healed. And he went to the multitude and gave them four blessings, said, blessed are the poor. He talked about blessed are the meek, blessed are those that grieve. And he shares those that are incredible their greatest need. And then he talks about woe unto them that rejects this word of God, rejects the things of the Lord. 
And I think that's quite appropriate. How I many you know if you get into Scripture and you study it, it will open things to your eyes that you never saw before? Um, there was a time as a young Christian, I didn't read my Bible as much as I should. Now I can't get away from it. I crave it every day. I crave it every moment. I, I, I'd like to just spend the rest of my life with my nose stuck in this book forever. It is so dynamic. It is so powerful. It is so wonderful. And once you learn the, the, the blessings of this book, it will literally change your life. The first three Beatitudes reveal our need. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He's not talking about the poor physically, although God cares about the, the poor physically. But he's talking about the poor that are in spirit. Those that are not um, arrogant. Those that are, they, they see their need for God. They see their need for eternal life. They see their need for forgiveness of sin. Too many people are, at least in America and probably even around the world, are so busy with their personal lives, they don't realize that they're poor and needy of God's blessing. Blessed are the poor. He's talking about the poor in spirit. I'm poor because time makes me poor. I'm poor because I don't have all the time in the world. You don't either. I'm poor because I live in flesh. I'm poor because life doesn't continue forever. I'm poor because of tragedies in my life. I'm poor because I can't be here forever. I must face God. I'm poor because I'm not at a place where uh, I have that security in my life. I'm poor because of tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm poor because I am in great need of a sovereign God. And until people reach the place where they realize they are poor in spirit, they are poor without God. Until teenagers reach the place that they realize they are poor without God. Children realize that they are poor without God. Adults realize they are poor without God. Too many people are playing in pleasure and they're doing things to the world and they're collecting finances and, and wealth and they're collecting the uh, friendships and activities, but they don't realize that they're poor. They're poor because only Jesus Christ can take them over to the other side. And if you just think, well, you know, if I die, uh, bless God, the angels will carry me over there. Well, you better have a good reason why you know they're taking you over there because if you don't know the reason, you're not going. Being born again is an intelligent belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Being changed by the power of God is a movement of God in your life. And one day I discovered that I was poor without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, I could do nothing. I realized without Jesus Christ, I didn't have a prayer. Without Jesus Christ, I didn't have a hope. Without Jesus Christ, I didn't have a, a, a surety at all. Without Jesus Christ, I didn't have a future at all. I was poor in spirit. And when I discovered I was poor in spirit, I realized that I needed to rich, uh, get richened up in Jesus Christ. I realized I needed to turn my life to God so that even though I may be poor physically or poor uh, financially, praise God, I may be poor like the Smyrna church, thou art poor, but 
uh, uh, thou, you're poor, but thou art rich. And, and I'm rich in the forgiveness of God. I'm rich in the mercy of God. I'm rich in the assurity that one day I'll go to heaven. I will not stand at a grave. I will not uh, be lowered into a grave uh, because uh, and feel hopeless and despair when I see a loved one go to the grave because I'm no longer poor. I know the Bible, the riches of God's word, the promise of God, the anointing of God. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Our need. Verse 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Have you discovered that your life is full of disappointments? Have you discovered that your life is full of things that make you cry? Have you realized that your life is full of things that disappoint you? Do you realize, have you realized that your life is full of broken dreams and, and shattered hopes and shattered dreams? Have you realized that there's times when you have to give a loved one up and you mourn? Something happens in your life and you mourn? Well, Jesus Christ said to you and I who are Christians, blessed are they that mourn for the Holy Ghost shall comfort you. He says, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Hallelujah. Thank God you're not looking at an empty shell or an empty head. Can I have an amen? You're looking at a full vessel with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm trying to choose my words right here. Amen. I've met a lot of preachers just full of baloney. How many ever met preachers full of baloney? Hot air. I said hot air. You know, my, my youngest daughter had a low tar on her car. And that low tire, she wanted to get some air. Well, she couldn't go. She went to three places that had air for free, you know, the compressor. And all three of them, their air compressor was, was broke. And then she had to go across the street to another air compressor, and they're charging for that. I think they charged her a dollar and a quarter for air. Hey, I've got some air, I'll sell you. I've been sharing it with you all morning. Air, amen. Hello, you ever come in flat and the Spirit of God lifts you up? Hello? You know, I just hate it when people shake their head. Yeah, you great and mighty spiritual ones. Yeah. Say, preacher, you preach like you're in a country church. And? You preach like you're not one of those highfalutin preachers. And? You're preaching like you don't have a bunch of degrees, and what are you trying to say? Blessed are the... <laughs> Who said that? There's a scripture that says, blessed are the merciful, and I'm not feeling merciful right now. Man, I didn't know I had an old church full of jerks, but anyway... Well, I guess I'm the head jerk. But anyway, <laughs> blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm glad the Spirit of God comforts us and watches over us. Aren't you? We, you know, I'd hate to think that, well, honestly, I don't know how lost people can handle it. 
When they lose a loved one, I don't know how lost people can handle it. When someone dies and their loved one dies without Christ, they make up things. Well, I had a vision. Well, I felt his presence. Well, you know, he came to me in a dream. Well, you better get your loved ones coming to Jesus in reality because that's the only thing that saves them and that's the only thing that's going to save you. Jesus, amen? And I'd hate to think that I'd have to live in this life without Jesus Christ. I don't know how they do it. They live in this life without Jesus Christ. If I lived in this life without Jesus Christ, I'd get drunk too. I'd smoke pot too. I wouldn't go out and dance because I want to live. Somebody would kill me for my awkwardness. You say, well, what did you do before you were saved? I drank. I did all the things above. But when Jesus Christ came into my life, I don't need any of that stuff anymore. I don't need any fire water. I don't need any uh, 100-proof moonshine. Amen? And since I've been saved, I've been basking in the sunshine, S-O-N, and staying out of the moonshine. Hello. God changes our life. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and Christians are promised that comfort. People that are not saved, I don't know how they can take it. Then it says, blessed are the meek. It's not saying blessed are the weak. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What is our need? Poor in the spirit. What is our need? We mourn. We need comfort. What is our need? We need to inherit the blessings of the Lord that God's given us. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, some people believe this verse is talking about the thousand-year millennial reign, which could be, but I believe it's also talking about really enjoying the planet. These people that say, you know, hug a tree, kiss a frog, they don't know how to enjoy the planet. Those people that say, well, hairspray's going to destroy the ozone, they got bad hair, and they still don't enjoy the planet. Hello. Well... <laughs> You know, the, the truth is, this planet is gorgeous. But when you don't know Jesus Christ, the beauties of this earth will just blow past you. You won't recognize them. You, you won't enjoy the beauty of this. Oh, oh, you might enjoy a fishing trip. You might enjoy a camping trip. But the truth is, there's beauty all around you. And you'll step on flowers to go to your car to go to work. You'll be exhausted with the things of the world that you won't have time to look at the earth. But the Bible says that if you're meek, and meek simply means not weakness, meek means strength under restraint. It means discipline. It means controlled. Bless, did you know Moses is called the meekest man on earth? Moses was called in his own writings. He wrote it himself. He's the meekest man on earth. I'm trying to figure out how he wrote that. I'm the meekest man on earth. In our church, we have some men that are meek, that are very humble. Ward was one of those, very meek and humble. Richard, in whom I call Lazarus, very meek and humble. Gene Huff, very meek and humble. Others of you are meek and you're humble. But we need to understand that meekness simply means that you are strong and you could say things, but you don't. You could th do things, but you don't. Because you are under restraint. And if you're meek, you can inherit the earth. 
and really enjoy your life on earth. Some folks can't enjoy their life on earth because their fuse is too short. Somebody can't enjoy their life on earth. One of the Beatitudes says, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a lot of people that are troublemakers. Hello. But God's people are to be peacemakers. Amen. You can pretty much hook them together. I may do that a little bit later. And then we have, um, we have four blessings or four beatitudes that show us the fruit of the Christian. You see, these eight beatitudes are not multiple choice. Well, I'll take this one. I'll take that one. I'll take this one. No, you'll take what God gives you in order. And you must be poor in spirit in order. Grieve over your sin, and when you grieve, God will comfort you, meek, and be under restraint and control. And then he gives four more blesseds, uh, four more beatitudes. He said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So we have, we have they that do hunger and thirst, verse 6. I mean, no, it takes a Christian to really hunger and thirst. After God's knowledge, it takes a Christian who really hungers and thirsts after the righteousness of God. We're talking about the fruits of a Christian. And then it says, blessed are the merciful. How many know Christians should be merciful? Verse 7 says, Christians should be merciful. The board gave uh, Josh and I a budget of 60000 to go buy a shuttle. Many of you gave money to that, $45,000 you gave in just two weeks. We put 15,000 with it. Our budget was 60. Me and Josh went and spent $62,500. Blessed are the merciful. I want to obtain mercy. Hello. Hello. Blessed are the merciful. Verse six says, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Did you know if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you? That's what the scripture teaches. Did you know that if you hold a grudge against someone, God's gonna hold a grudge against you? That's true. Amen? We're to be merciful. Now I just wanna walk around like a bucket of mercy, just sloshing out everywhere. Somebody does something to me, that's all right. It's hard. I'm an Aikens and a Doss. It's hard. I was born a sinner. So were you, by the way. I don't care what your name is. When someone wrongs you, it's hard. And lost people, when someone wrongs them, they say, all right, I'll get even. You know what the good book says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, they're living in the old law. And much of it's made up. Christians are to be forgiving. Amen? Well, you know what he done to me? No, and I don't want to know. You know what she said about me? No, I don't want to know. Well, I won't forget. Well, see, that's your problem. If you won't forget, and I realize that there's limitations to forgetting, but you can be merciful and you can forgive. And the Bible says that God's people are merciful. Blessed are the uh, uh, merciful, shall they, for they shall obtain mercy. Isn't that good? Hello? There's people all the time saying, well, you know, I'll get even. I won't let that go. I'll remember that. So God's people are merciful. We forgive each other. You know why you forgive me? Because you know 
what a big failure you are. You know why I forgive you? Because I know what a big failure I am. See, to not forgive someone for them wronging you is to judge them and play God with their life. We're to forgive as God forgave us. Amen. Blessed are the, the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now, you're never going to get pure in heart until you get become a Christian. Now, I don't think anybody in this room means pure, as pure as in pure. But you know what pure means? Pure means no mixture of other things. If I say this is pure alcohol, it's 100%. If I say this is pure gasoline, it's 100%. It's not 90% gasoline and 10% corn oil. If I say something's at 100%. So if you're 100% sold out to God, then you have a pure heart. You, you serve God 100%, amen? Come on. A pure heart. And only a Christian can get to that place where he has a pure heart. And I know some children of God that have a pure heart. We got people in this room right now that have a pure heart. You know what the problem is? You'll see God. I look forward to seeing God. How many are looking forward to seeing God? I look forward to seeing him. Before I got saved, no way. I don't even want to be within a trillion miles of him. But after I got saved, I'd love to meet him. I'd love to meet him. And I have met him in the spirit, but I want to meet him geographically, right there in the presence, see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How many know the quickest way to not be called a, ch a child of God is to be a troublemaker? Now, you want to know why God's children are peacemakers? Because God put in our heart a pacemaker. Blessed is a pacemaker. God put in our heart a pacemaker, meaning we let not our heart be troubled, meaning we let not our heart do things that is out of control. We allow our heart to be set at a pace. And that we don't spin out, that we, and, and some of you, you say, I know what you're saying. Let me explain something. I'm not talking about a literal pacemaker. Hello. I'm talking about God puts in our spiritual heart a pacemaker. And he, he, he calls on us to reason. He calls on us to pray. He calls on us to examine. He calls on us to, to not be hasty. He calls on us to do everything in moderation. That's not liberalism. That's just a statement that in control. And so we're not, let not our heart be troubled because Jesus Christ has put in our heart a pacemaker, and that makes us peacemakers. Now let me come to the close of this. There are I just give you three um, things that reveal our need. Poor in spirit, we mourn to have comfort. We're meek, our strength is in control. And then we have our four fruits or fruit we have. We have hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then we have mercy, we show mercy to obtain mercy. Then we have a pure heart sold out to God. And then we have, we are peacemakers. We're not troublemakers. And God has set in our heart a pacemaker in which we are very careful not to offend or hurt or to juggle people's lives around. 
were controlled. Verse 10, 11, and 12 is the last beatitude. It's the eighth one. You say, but there's two blessings. Yeah, this last one needed two blessings. Let me read the, the last one a little bit. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. How many know that needs another blessing? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. How many know that also needs another blessing? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. This reveals our tribulation and joy. Every Christian has tribulation. Every Christian has persecution. It may not be the same as John the Baptist, may not be the same as Apostle Paul, but every Christian has persecution. Every Christian has things that come against him. Every Christian has deep grievances. Every Christian has enemies. We don't choose them, but they come. Everybody, every Christian gets talked about. You say, well, they don't talk about me. You're not listening. Somebody else is. They are talking about you. The truth is, the devil can't keep his mouth shut. And he's got a lot of people out there flapping their jaws about people they need to leave alone because they're bringing accusations that are falsely because you're a child of God. Amen? To be a child of God, you are, there's a target on you. Satan has put a target on you if you're a child of God. And people are going to fight you, resist you, and come against you and say all manner of evil against you. They're going to say things. They're going to persecute you. Maybe not physically, but they're going to persecute you. And when they persecute you, you know what the Bible says you're supposed to do? Rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. I had a man chase me down. I was out door knocking. and chased me down. I had my window down on my car. And and he come running up to the car. I'd been out knocking on doors, sharing Christ with people. Man come running up to my car, and he held the car door shut and spit in my face. That's when I needed a pacemaker. <laughs> he spit in my face. I mean, he didn't just, he and spit right in my face. And when he spit in my face, he said to me, you need to leave people alone. Going out there telling people about this Jesus stuff. And I honestly, I did not throw my hands in the air. Woo! Glory to God. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I was trying to get the door open. And I'm just thankful that God kept that guy holding the door shut. And then when he let go of the door, he ran. He was smart for doing that. Am I angry at him? No, because one week later, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ in a little Pentecostal church just three miles away from where he spit on me. Now, what if I had ran him down and beat him up? He might not have got saved because he would have said, well, if that's the way Christians act, I want nothing to do with it. But three or four days later, he goes to a Pentecostal meeting. He gets born again. Do you think I raised my hand and said, "Woo!" No, I didn't. I said, God, you take care of that for me. Wrong prayer, but anyway, I prayed it. 
Now, we have things that happen to us, and we're not going to, you know, but Jesus said, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, and as King Jesus and his subjects, he wants you to act this way. He doesn't want you to slap people back because they slap you. He doesn't want you to spit back because they spit on you. He doesn't want you to retaliate. He wants you to understand that when they persecute you falsely for his name's sake, great is your reward in heaven. He wants you to know that you should rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Yes, there's tribulation. You say, well, I'm going to a storm. Good. I'm going to a hard time. Good. Well, I'm grieving. Good. He said, there's nothing good about grieving. The Bible says you'll be comforted. Must be something good about it because Jesus comes and comforts us. You're going through a hard time? Good. Now, none of us are saying, good, 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 good. None of us, including myself. I'm not standing up here flapping angel wings and telling you I've got it. I'm here telling you that Jesus Christ has got me, and he puts his thumb on me heavily at times. Amen? Amen. I wouldn't advise you to come up to me after service and spit in my face. I don't think I'm that close to Jesus at this moment. I might be. I wouldn't say, take your chance. Hello? Now, you real spiritual ones out there, you're thinking, oh, preacher, you need to be a better example. Hello? The old Puritans, you know what the old Puritans did? When someone gossiped, they took them outside the church and they chained them by the leg on a steel post and put a sign around their neck that says, I'm a gossip. And everybody that walked into the church saw someone chained on a pole with a sign around their neck that says, I'm a gossip. The old Puritans used to stand at the front door of the church and as people come in, they had little canes they'd use. And if anybody walked in that they didn't think was dressed quite right, they'd hit them in the head with it. I'm really glad that Puritan is a wrong definition of them. Right? But then again, we need to understand that God has a system in which he wants us to live. Amen? Come on. Blessed. I'm, I, I am blessed. Anybody in this room blessed today? Anybody in this room feel blessed today? I tell you what, I am so blessed. And I know that Dale, he gets ready to be baptized here in a little bit. He is so blessed to have such a wonderful family that would come out in a momentous decision that Dale has made. He has made a momentous decision. Now, he's followed God all his life. He's served God all his life. But he chose in this part of his life. He's, he told me he even helped people be baptized in days past. And that's wonderful. But now he says, you know, I'm going to be identified. He's, he's been a Christian for years. He loves the Lord. The, the, this is not going to. This is not going to get Dale saved. He's already saved. But it got family here. Amen. Pretty sneaky, Dale. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. (laughs) 
Phyllis just smiling back there. Now, my question, are you hungering and thirst after righteousness? Do you really feel that you fit these beatitudes? There's eight of them. And those eight beatitudes is not for you to be saved, but for you to live by as a Christian. And only as a Christian can you live these beatitudes. Amen? And my question is, do you feel your need do you feel that you're poor in spirit? I got news for everybody in this room. You're so poor in spirit that the casket may be in the funeral home that you're going to lay in next week. You're so poor in spirit that the gas may be in the backhoe that digs your grave even now as I speak. You're so poor in spirit, you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. If you don't know Jesus, we are poor in spirit because we know without Jesus we can do nothing. We are poor in spirit because our physical bodies could break down at any moment. We are poor in spirit because Jesus Christ could come back at any moment and call us home and we need to be ready. We, we are poor in spirit because of time. We're poor in spirit because of tomorrow. We're poor in spirit because of tragedy. We're poor in spirit because of earth. We need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ. And if you haven't reached that place where you'd say, yes, preacher, I'm poor in spirit. Now, you may have a, you may have a fat billfold. You ladies may have a, have a purse so full that it would sink the Titanic. Well, oh, it's already sunk. Anyway... <laughs> You, you may have a purse so full, you don't even know what's in there. My wife told me one time to get in her purse and get something. I said, I ain't touching it. I am not getting in your purse. Why won't you? I said, you don't even know what's in there. You, I'm not sticking my hand in there. My wife handed her purse to me and said, hold this. And I'm in a shopping store. I said, I'm not holding that purse. She said, why don't you hold the purse? I said, I'm not holding the purse. She said, why don't you hold the purse? I said, we're in a public store. Well, it ain't going to hurt you to hold my purse. It might. Some other purse holder that's a male gender might hit on me. Now, I know that's not politically correct, but I'm biblically correct. <laughs> I never carried Judy's purse. Never, ever. Not even in the front yard to the house, because I don't know my neighbors that well. Just not going to do it. There are just certain limitations that I will not do. You say, well, how does she get her person out? She can carry it. Amen. Some of you have to go to the chiropractor. Your purse is so big every week. <laughs> Some of your men, your billfold's so fat. When you walk, it looks like you got an extra. Never mind. <laughs> Listen, you can... Listen, you might have all the money in the world, 
but you're poor spiritually. You might have a nice house, but you're poor spiritually. You may have drove in here with a fancy car, but you're poor spiritually. You know what I drove in here? I drove in here, I totaled out Monte Carlo. I got hit head on. Total that sucker out. I was having a nosebleed, as you know, those of you who attend our church know that I have regular nosebleeds, and I had a nosebleed. It was bad. And I was trying to get home to clean up. I had blood everywhere from a nosebleed. And this woman hits me head on. She jumps out of the car to see if I'm all right, and I've got this nosebleed. I mean, it's going everywhere. And she gets on the cell phone and calls 911. Hurry, hurry, quick, he's bleeding. He's in bad shape. I should have just rolled out of the car and got a free physical. But anyway, <laughs> bless her of the honest, I realized. And I didn't, but they, they told my money. I wrote, drove that money, Carlo, in there. It's, it's a pile of junk. But my life ain't about cars. My life ain't about houses. My life ain't about clothes. My life isn't about gold and silver. My life isn't about money. My life's about Jesus Christ. I am poor in spirit. I need him. Now, is there anything wrong with having a nice, shiny, brand new car? No, not a thing. You want to give it to me? I'll take it. <laughs> anything wrong with having a big, nice home? No, not a thing. I'll take it. He said, no, you won't. I know, stingy. Anyway, <laughs> it's yours. I got to quit. Judy right now, if she were in here, is she in here? Okay, if Judy were in here, she would, be, she would be suggesting this is a good place to stop. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've taken a lot of, lot of slack today. I've taken a lot of, lot of rebuttals today. But, you know, I still love you anyway. Love you. I forgive you. <laughs> Bless God, I forgive you. I had a woman catch me in the foyer. She said, I forgive you. I said, thank you. I'm glad you forgave me. And I'm trying to figure out, for what? And I said, why do you forgive me? She said, because I drove by and you didn't wave at me. I drove in my car. We met in the car and you didn't wave at me. She said, but I forgive you. I said, thank you. I need all the forgiveness I can get. She said, I was at the gas station getting gas and you didn't holler at me. I hollered at you, but you didn't holler back. She said, I forgive you. I said, thank you. I'll take all the forgiveness I can get. She said, I came to church the other day and you didn't shake my hand. I forgive you. And I said, thank you. I'll take all the forgiveness I can get. I want you to know I'll take all the forgiveness I can get. Amen. Stand with me. Josh is going to come and bring a song. We're going to give an invitation. Do you feel poor in spirit? Do you know that you're poor in spirit? If you know that and you've never received the riches of God's forgiveness, if you've never seen, received the riches of Christ Jesus and forgiveness in your life, you need to come to this altar today and say, I've come because I'm poor in spirit. I've come because I'm needy. I've come because I'm weak. I've come because I need Jesus. And would you come today and tell Jesus, I want you to be my king. Ask Jesus to be your king. Ask Jesus to forgive you. 
and come to him because you are poor in spirit. And maybe you're grieving over something. Maybe you're grieving, but we have comfort. I know Charlie is grieving, but he has comfort. Blessed are those who grieve or that mourn. They shall be comforted. There's people in this room that you're grieving, but the Holy Spirit is here to comfort you. I know Donnie's grieving over his brother, but there's a comforter that will touch your life. We're going to give an invitation. Whoever needs to come, maybe you're in this room right now and you say, Preacher, I'm, I'm poor in spirit. I need Jesus. Would you come and ask him for his forgiveness, his mercy? Altars open.